Are you currently in college or recently graduated but kind of struggling to figure out how to approach your post-grad life? If so, then I have the perfect guide for you, which I created for my college self in mind. That is the Everyday Girl's Guide to Career Success ebook, which features a holistic approach to all things starting out in your career during and after college, from cultivating the right mindset, building your resume, maximizing your LinkedIn profile and network, and so much more. I take you through a personal step-by-step guide on how to prepare for all areas needed when searching for a job. And these were actually many steps that I personally did between my sophomore and senior year of college, as well as the first year out of college. So I always highly recommend to start early to create opportunities for yourself. In this ebook guide, you will find cover letter tips and custom templates available for download, resume building steps with three custom templates, LinkedIn tools, and step-by-step guide on maximizing your profile, top 20 behavioral interview questions, and a lot more. Again, you can find this online at whatfulfillsyou.com. Just make sure when you click shop, just go to all products and you will find the ebook there, or just go to the show notes and it will be linked. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come, find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Emily Elizabeth, and I'm the host of the What Fulfills You podcast, a show for and about individuals always seeking to be their best selves. On this show, we talk all about building the mindset, finding the right careers, creating meaningful relationships, and so much more. Welcome to the What Fulfills You podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the What Fulfills You podcast. My name is Emily Elizabeth. I'm your host. And on today's conversation, I have the lovely Jason Pfeiffer, who is the editor-in-chief of the Entrepreneur Magazine and host of two popular podcasts, Built for Tomorrow and Problem Solvers. He has also worked as an editor of Men's Health, Fast Company, Maxim, and Boston Magazine, and has written about business and technology for the Washington Post and Slate. He currently lives in New York, and his recent book is Build for Tomorrow, an Action Plan for Embracing Change, Adopting Fast, and Future-Proofing Your Career, which is actually technically how I met him. I did meet Jason at a PR event for a few different books and authors, and uh, you know his book was definitely my personal favorite because as an entrepreneur and someone that's very curious about embracing change and things that do inevitably happen over the years, especially with technology and how things innovate. I'm always wondering how can we improve our thought process around embracing for the changes in our life, including our career and of course other elements of it. This conversation was truly so valuable, especially if you are currently in college or you are a recent grad and you are navigating the ups and downs and the question marks you have around how am I doing this career thing? What does my adult life look 
look like? How can I be more fulfilled in my career? Or should I maybe be focusing on making money first and then switching later on? A lot of these questions I know my girlfriends have as well in the conversations I'm having with peers in their 20s. And so a lot of it we discuss here. And with that being said, let's welcome Jason to the podcast. Well, Jason, thank you so much for taking the time to jump on this podcast. I'm really stoked to talk a lot about career development and, you know, things that young professionals can be more mindful of as they're approaching in their own career trajectory. But one thing I really wanted to start off with is the sweet spot in optimizing for money and fulfillment in a job. And I'm really curious to hear your thoughts on this because I think this is something I have observed is a pretty big struggle for a lot of my peers in their mid twenties right now. Some of them are happy with their job because of the money, but they don't really see a long-term trajectory with it. And then vice versa, others are finding that, okay, they enjoy what they're doing, but then the cost of living in New York is, is very tough with what they're earning at this job. And so I'm curious, what would be your take on this for young professionals in their twenties? So, first of all, great to be here. Thanks for having me. It's funny. I was talking not long ago to a guy that I worked with at my very first job. So I graduated college in 2002. So that makes me probably sound very old to a lot of people. And I got a job at a local newspaper in North Central Massachusetts. I had gone to college in Massachusetts and I was getting paid $20,000 a year to be a reporter at this soul-crushing newspaper. And I quit after a year, and I went on to do a whole lot of things, which maybe we'll talk about. And then just recently, like two months ago, I got an email from Sean. Sean and I worked together at that first newspaper, and he had been following my career ever since, which I was not aware of. And Mm -hmm. I didn't know what he had done, but here's what he had done. He had, in your question here about optimizing for time, uh, optimizing for money or optimizing for passion, I guess, or or just things you're enjoying, um, he had really optimized for things that he enjoyed and valued. He's a local local guy and he believes in his, and wants to support his local community. And after being at that newspaper for a long time, which he really loved, he went on and became a police dispatcher. Then he worried that that wasn't making him enough money and he became a teacher. That was frustrating Mm -hmm. and also not making him enough money. So he became a paralegal, which is where he is now. And he was really struggling and he had reached out because he was starting to regret the career decisions that he made. He's not making that much money. I think he's making in the, I can't remember, but it may be in the $50,000 range or something like that. And, Mm -hmm. um, And he feels like he missed a lot of opportunities. But I will tell you something. My, I, I, we brought him onto this podcast. My friend Nicole and I, uh, Nicole Lappin's best-selling money expert, and I have this podcast called Help Wanted, where we bring people on who have like work problems, and we talk them through it. So we brought Sean on to Help Wanted, and we were talking through these decisions that he's made, and we came to this really interesting insight, which is that until now, he had not been optimizing for money. He hadn't even been thinking about it. And now he is beating himself up over the decisions that he used to, that he made in the past through a filter of what he wished he was thinking about back then, but wasn't thinking about back then. He wasn't thinking about money back then. He's only thinking about it back now. Back then he was thinking about 
things that he was excited about and supporting his community and teaching which he loved and helping others. And we needed to help him see those decisions as being informed by what mattered to him at the time. And you can't hold yourself accountable for things that you did in the past based on things that you want in the future or need now. It doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. We always have to evaluate what we're doing based on our current needs, not necessarily our future unanticipated needs. So I tell you all that to say that I hope that anybody who is in their 20s and is trying to figure out which they should optimize for right now. Instead, think about it like this. What do you need right now? Mm. Do you need the money or do you need the experience or do you need to do this so that it can lead you to whatever your next hopeful step is? Because you don't have to plan the whole thing right now. You can plan it as it goes. And you can evolve it as it goes. And you might want to work a job for a few years and create a whole bunch of savings and then use those savings to start pursuing something that you're far more passionate about. You might want to work some very low paying jobs because it's building skill sets that you're really excited about and then figure out how to make money with those skill sets later. That's what I did. I mean, 20,000 job, 20,000 dollars job to a $40,000 job. I mean, it took a long time for me to make real money. Mm -hmm. Don't think that you have to do it all now. You don't live it all at once. You live it in pieces. So what do mm -hmm. you need now? Focus on that. And then you will see what assets you have to build towards the thing that comes next. I brought up this question actually, because I did listen to that particular episode with Sean. This oh, morning. that's great. Yeah. And that that's what got me my wheels turning because I'm curious to know you know, I, I'm not sure if I would say from listening to that, if Sean had any regrets, but in a way as a listener, it, I kind of observed that he might've wished that he could have done some of what he seems to go, to be doing now, maybe a little sooner. Um, yeah. And I'm just curious to know if that's why I, I, the question of like the sweet spot, is there maybe a more pivotal point that one can look at like okay this is this is what i need right now so let's say it's money um but how do you not get too tied up in that like you know let's say someone working in an investment banking job finance job it's you know very taxing and um a lot of hours but at some point it's almost like the sunk cost right they're like well i have invested 10 years of my life into this career path um, if I shift now, then it's there. Maybe someone's at like 38 and they think that it's such a drastic change to their financial standing and other elements of their life at that time in life. So I guess that's kind of my question is, do you think there that someone has to be mindful as well of that of that kind of time period of when to pivot if needed? I think that you should always be mindful that the thing that you do today may not be the thing that you do tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And so you should spend time right now preparing for maybe an abstract, I mean, it shouldn't be that specific, but an abstract future in which maybe you're going to make some kind of change. And what does that look like? Well, if you're an investment banker and being an investment banker is not the thing that you wake up every day incredibly passionate about or what you feel like your life purpose is, then spend some time thinking about what else it is that you want to do and what can you do today 
that starts opening doors tomorrow, mm-hmm. even if that just means taking classes in something or helping some people out, right? I mean, like, let's just come up with a random example here. Let's say that you're an investment banker and you don't really love that, but it, it fulfills something. It's exciting at times. It feels purposeful in some way. Mm-hmm. It certainly makes you good money. That's great. But maybe what you really dream of doing is being a startup founder or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Okay, well, look, it's not all or nothing all the time. What you could do right now while not making a major change is you're a smart person. You're an investment banker. I bet that there are all sorts of startup founders out there who would really love your advice. Can you start to engage with the local startup community? Can you become an advisor to a couple companies? You know, an equity advisor or even a non-equity advisor. It doesn't even have to be that formal. But what you're doing is you're building the experience and the skill set and this body of knowledge that you don't have now. And those kinds of experiences and insights and connections will be useful to you later in ways that you cannot anticipate. Mm -hmm. So it is not, you can't, you can't control exactly what your career path is going to be. Mm-hmm. You, you just cannot. My attitude my entire career has always been to have a plan and to have a plan to abandon the plan. And the reason for that is because as you grow and develop, you will come across new things that excite you and that maybe are ultimately going to change the direction of the things that you want to do. And you should be open to that. You should be okay with that. Malcolm Gladwell told me self-perceptions are powerfully limiting. Mm-hmm. The more you have a very narrow definition of yourself, the more you will turn down opportunities that don't match that narrow definition, but might actually be the thing that defines the next phase of your career. So what can you do now that maximizes now, but that also just starts to open doors for tomorrow? Mm -hmm. And then you see where that goes. But I think one of the greatest mistakes that people make at every stage of their career, but especially in the early stages, is that they're too focused on how every decision that they make is going to impact everything that comes next. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you, as a guy who's 42, I haven't been through the full journey, but I've been through part of it at least. It's not actually like that. Mm. I heard that you mentioned on your podcast as well that you also have always had a freelance gig or something on the side, even while working full time. And I find that actually, once again, just listening in conversations with my peers and friends that a lot of people want to do that to some degree, right? Maybe they're aware like, okay, living in New York, they need to maintain their full-time job because they need the money, they need the income. But they also desire to do something on the side or second part-time job, something that is actually more fulfilling or, or starts to touch on that part of their desires. How, how would you say you create a time and balance, so to speak, for these freelance gigs? How did you actually get started in that to, to, to I guess, more or less, yeah, open new doors and opportunities later on um, in your career? This is something I call work your next job, which is similar to the advice that I gave before, but I'll just give you a framework to think about it. In front of you right now are two sets of opportunities, opportunity set A and opportunity set B. And opportunity set A is everything that's asked of you. So if you're an investment banker, just to keep going with it, and uh, you show up to work every day, the people above you have expectations for you, for you to perform in certain ways, and you have to do well. And that's opportunity set A. Opportunity set B is everything that's available to you that nobody's asking you to do. 
And that could be at work, new role, new responsibility, new team, something like that. But it could also be outside of work. I mean, me talking about how an investment banker could get involved in the local startup community and start helping founders, that's available to you because you live in a place with other people and you could help those people. It's available to you. Nobody's asking you to do it. It's up to you. And my argument is that opportunity set B, doing things that are available to you that no one's asking you to do, is always more important, infinitely so. Because if you only focus on opportunity set A, which is important, you got to do the good work. But if you only focus on what is being asked of you, then you are only going to be qualified to do the things you're already doing. Opportunity set B is where growth happens. So to your question of like, how do you actually fit that in? I mean, so what I did is I just, um, I just figured out how to be as incredibly efficient at my jobs as possible and then carved out time and energy for other things. Now I worked in industries that I, I always worked in media, which are you know a little more flexible. People come and go from a newsroom without a whole lot of oversight. So it was easier for me to just slip outside and, you know, take a call or something like that. I understand that that's not true for everybody, but there is some flexibility in your life. And maybe if it's not at an office where you work, it is outside of that office. It is on your lunch break. It is in the mornings. Get up a little earlier. It is at night. Stop watching so much TV. There's all sorts of things that you are doing right now that are not contributing to long-term goals. And you don't want to optimize every second of your day. That is, you will drive yourself into the ground. But you should be mindful of how the time that you are spending leads to goals. And sometimes those goals are good relationships with friends, and that's a very worthwhile goal. But sometimes those goals are, well, what's the next phase of my career? And if I would, I would often think, you know, if I have a hour right now, what do I want to say a week or a month from now that I did with this hour? Is it I saw those tweets or is it listen to the new episode of my podcast, right? Um, and again, there's a middle ground because it also could be I have a stronger relationship with this friend because we caught up. That's also valuable. But the more you can think intentionally about the way that you spend your time, the more you will start to see how much time you spend unintentionally. And you can devote that to some other things. You touched on there, which I which is a huge aspect of this podcast I emphasize on, which is relationships. And mm -hmm. in that case, you know, becoming closer with a friend or developing those friendships along the way, not being so micro-focused on just your career or yeah. just one aspect of your life. And I'm curious to know, how did you personally approach that along the way? And I think this is probably also the top two questions I get a lot from women in their 20s and any professional in their 20s, especially in an environment like New York City, is how do you do it all, right? Like, how do you make time to actually progress in your career at a pace that you want? And then also make time to see quality friends and build those relationships, uh, people in your industry, as well as ro romantic relationships. I'm curious to know if you could touch on that. Oh, yeah, I have a lot to say. So <laughs> um, let me start with someone else's idea, and then I'll go into my own. Someone else's idea is Randy Zuckerberg, who has a very famous last name, Mark's sister, but um, but is a great entrepreneur in her own right. And she wrote this book a number of years ago called Pick Three, I think is what it was called. And her argument was that there are five things in life. And let's, let's see, I'll probably butcher it or not remember it all, but let's just say it's sleep, 
health, work, friends, and something else. And uh, and her argument is, you can, we focus on having it all, right? Which was a phrase that floats around the ether and that you just used. But the problem is that what we're really trying to wrap our heads around is like, how do you have it all all the time? Or we're not thinking in the right time horizons. So Randy says, what about, think about it like this. Every day you can get three of those things, right? Not all five. Sleep, health, friends, work, whatever the fifth thing is that I can't remember. Um, But you can pick three, right? So like today's the day where you get a little more sleep and you focus on your work and you eat well. And tomorrow's the day where you're going to get a little less sleep, but you're going to see some friends and also you're going to get a lot of work done, right? And so you start to think about your life in kind of different units and you make sure that you're touching upon everything that you need to touch upon to have a happy, healthy life, but recognizing that that's not going to all happen every single day. That's a, it's a useful way of thinking. But, you know, I mean, look, I'll, I'll just, uh, like, I'll tell you the the way in which my life unfolded and I could go back and like diagnose it in, in a whole bunch of different ways, but I'll, I'll tell you, um, I graduated college and I had a girlfriend from college and we stayed together for, I just wouldn't recommend this, but we stayed together for nine years. I either, I don't know, take your pick, some, the, like a therapist could diagnose this or something, but like I either didn't take that relationship that seriously, or I always knew that it wasn't the right relationship, or I stuck with it because it was convenient. I don't know. Whatever it was, I stayed in that relationship. It was ultimately not the right relationship. That's not who I married. I married somebody else. But I was really focused on my career at that time. I was a I was a kid with no connections who had big ambitions, and I needed to push myself to do good at my job and then freelance on the side like we were just talking about and to do as much of that as possible and figure out how I could accelerate my career, which is what I was really passionate about. And it really honestly wasn't until we broke up and I moved to New York for a job that felt like I finally had quote unquote made it, even though there's no making it. But like that felt like the first time I felt like I made it, which is that I moved to New York to work at Men's Health. So I had like a national magazine editor job. And that's when I felt like, ah, I am now ready to focus on a relationship that's going to like last. And that's when I met my wife. And I have to say that it was fine. Like that was fine. That worked out just fine for me. Right. Um, um, I, you know, I, I don't know. In my twenties, was I supposed to find the relationship? Probably not. I, you know, I, I found it later and in the meantime, could I have done better? Could I have, could I have been in a bunch of different relationships and maybe learned more about myself and what I wanted in relationships instead of staying with that one person for so long? Yeah, I guess I could have. But I don't know. I was talking about this with a friend recently because sometimes I worry that I had wasted a lot of time doing that. And she was like, yeah, but that's, you know, that's counterfactual thinking because, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with the phrase counterfactual thinking, but counterfactual thinking is comparing what happened to an imagined version of what could have happened. And we usually, we usually go positive on counterfactual thinking, which is to say that we compare our experience against a better version of what could have happened. But that's not actually how it would play out is what my friend was telling me. She's like, but you could have 
gotten into a bunch of terrible relationships that drained all of your time and didn't allow you to focus on your work at all, or maybe that like screwed you up in some way that you're going to spend years trying to untangle. And so you didn't have those bad experiences. You had like a different one and that's all fine. So I think that the answer honestly is like, you just do the best that you can and you focus on what matters to you in the moment. And you're going to have to do that with the faith that you will ultimately build all the things that you want. It just may not all happen at exactly the same time. And that's all okay. If tomorrow was your last day, would you feel as though you have maximized your potential? How would you describe your perfect day with no limitations? How can you work towards achieving something as close to this, if not exactly that? And what is your dream life? Where is it? Who's there with you? And what does your Saturday look like versus a Monday? These are some of my favorite questions from the What Fulfills You card game. And I created this card game with the intention to help you on your journey of personal growth as actually all of these questions in this card game are questions that helped me in my own personal growth journey in my 20s. But even more than that, these questions help cultivate more purposeful and meaningful conversations, whether it's with your colleagues, your close friends, or date night. I love to play this on a night in with a few glasses of wine, or now that it is spring and summer season, I think it's just so fun to bring this with you when you're hanging out at the park, especially for my fellow New Yorkers who like to hang out in Central Park, have a cheese board, and just have some deep conversations. You can shop the card game online at whatfulfillsyou.com and since you are a listener of the show, you can get 10% off your purchase with the code whatfulfillsyou10 at checkout. That's whatfulfillsyou10 at checkout at whatfulfillsyou.com. Enjoy. I could not agree more with you on that in that you just have to do the best you can. But I'm really curious because you mentioned that it was... Once that you, once you moved to New York and you felt like you quote unquote made it, which is all a fun feeling and especially in the younger days. Right. And yeah. doesn't last, but, yeah. <laughs> but that's when you said you felt like you were then more ready, so to speak, to meet someone that was more aligned with you. Is that kind of, was that, was that, would you say looking back and reflection that it was a big part of that was because of you now actually having a better focus on your career. It could be. It, yeah. Or it could be that I had finally started to define my life as I actually wanted to define it. And the earlier phases of that were not that. The earlier phases were me getting out of the framework that I didn't want. I didn't want to be a local newspaper reporter. I, I I wanted to work at these like higher levels and it, but it took a lot of time to get there because I didn't have any connections and because I had to learn a lot. You know, there's a there's a great I I was introduced to this a number of years ago and I find it to just be an incredibly compelling way to understand the world and people and yourself, which is what's called are you familiar with self-determination theory? No. So self-determination theory is a, a psychological psychological concept theory i don't know whatever i you know um it is it's been around for decades um and uh, i think it came out in literature in like the 1970s anyway what it argues is that for a human being to be happy they need three things they need autonomy they need to feel like they're in control of what they're doing they need competency they need to feel like they're good at the thing that they're doing and they need relatedness they need to 
feel connected to other people. Autonomy, competency, relatedness. And it wasn't until, when, when I look back on times where I was happy or unhappy, um, I can see that, oh, that was, I didn't feel autonomous or I didn't feel competent. Um, and I would say that when I moved to New York and I got this job, I had achieved some of the things that I felt was lacking before. I didn't feel all that autonomous in my older jobs because I was working jobs that I didn't want to work. They weren't jobs that, that, that matched my amb ambitions. Um, I was still learning a lot in those early days. Learning is hard, important, but hard. And you don't always feel competent in doing so. And then relatedness, I had friends. I had a lot of really good friends in, in Massachusetts, but they weren't necessarily all the people that represented the kinds of things that I wanted to do next, right? Like, like when I moved to New York is when I started to build this, this network of writers that I was so excited about and these, right. And, um, and so I think when I moved here and I had those things, it allowed me to start building upon my life rather than feel like I had to fill in the gaps of my life. Mm, that's interesting. I, I, I actually felt similar when I moved from Los Angeles to New York. And so I, I do resonate with that. Um, mm. Yeah. Interesting. I'm, I'm just processing what you're saying here. So <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, like spend some time for yourself thinking about that and evaluating moments where you were happy or unhappy. Mm -hmm. Another one is I remember I was at a job a couple of years ago that I really hated and I was obsessed with Twitter. I was spending mm. like hours, hours on Twitter. And, um, and I look back on that now and then I got a different job and then I like stopped looking at Twitter and I look back on that mm -hmm. now and I realized like, Oh, at that job that I hated, I didn't feel autonomous. Like I didn't feel like I was making my own decisions. I didn't feel competent because I didn't understand what my bosses wanted. I was always frustrated and I didn't feel relatedness because I wasn't connecting with my colleagues because I was so frustrated at this job. Mm -hmm. But Twitter was a place where I had all those things. <laughs> I could say whatever I wanted, right? I felt competent and good and that I was engaging in that community and I was connecting with other people on Twitter. So I had relatedness. So that's why I was spending so much time on Twitter. Those three things can tell you a lot about what is lacking and where you need to go to find the things that really matter. Oh, interesting. Wow. Wow. That's, that's a really good place to, to wrap things up here. I have two final questions. Uh, number one being a book recommendation, of course, your own book, <laughs> which I do have as well, but uh, any book that you would recommend uh, could be career related, business, uh, entrepreneur related, whatever you, you would like to recommend. Oh, sure. So I will say, um, I, okay. Yeah. So there is my book, which is called <laughs> build for tomorrow, by the way, just in case anybody, mm -hmm. so I have this book build for tomorrow, um, an action plan for embracing change, adapting fast and future proofing your career. So a lot of the things that we're talking about in this, in this conversation are, mm -hmm. are from there. You can check that out. Audiobook or whatever, audiobook hardcover. Um, but I'll recommend, um, my, my friend Catherine's book, it's called the perfectionist's guide to losing control. Mm. And, um, her name is Catherine Morgan Schaffler, uh, the perfectionist's guide to losing control. And it is a, uh, she's a therapist and it is a book about really aimed at women who feel like they are perfection, like that they struggle with the self-identification of perfectionists and they've been told that that's a bad thing. And mm -hmm. it's really about helping you see a thing that you think of as bad as a superpower. And, um, you know, I, uh, it's not, I'm not the target demo for it, but I found a lot of really insightful things in there as well, mm -hmm. because she also talks about how to reframe productivity and focus mm -hmm. on maintaining your energy, not just your time. And, um, 
And so I don't know anybody who is feeling like they're juggling a lot and also that they have a tendency to try to control as much as possible, mm -hmm. which is frankly, a lot of the foundation of some of the questions that you asked today yeah. um, are, uh, uh, you know, I would suggest checking that out. Amazing. And last question, something I ask every guest, but in reflection of everything, what would you say fulfills you in life, Jason? So I, there's a reason I think that I am really focused on change and on the things that happen tomorrow. And the reason for that is because I think that the thing that really fulfills me is the feeling of progress, is the feeling of doing things that advance. I remember listening to This American Life in the early days of the pandemic, and the host, Ira Glass, made this really interesting point about how one of the hardest parts of that time was that we didn't have anything to look forward to. That there was nothing to build towards. That we were all in this kind of stagnation mode. And that what humans really need is what's next and something to build towards and to look forward to and to plan for. And I have always felt my best, not when I'm like mastering something, but when I feel like I'm on the path to something. And so that's the thing that I'm always looking for with myself is how do I figure out what's next and then also try to appreciate what's now. Mm, wow. I love that. Thank you so much, Jason, for all of your wisdom today. And where can everyone find you, your book and, and share everything? And I'll make sure I link that in the show notes as well. Yeah, thanks. So um, yeah, the book, Build for Tomorrow. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn or Instagram. Just search my name, Jason Pfeiffer, at Hey Pfeiffer is on Instagram. Oh yeah, and check out that podcast, Help Wanted. Amazing. Thank you so much, Jason. Thank you. And that was all for today's episode with Jason Pfeiffer, the editor-in-chief of The Entrepreneur Magazine and the author of his recent book, Build for Tomorrow, an action plan for embracing change, adopting fast, and future-proofing your career. I will link that in the show notes and where you can find him on social media and his website. And as always, if you enjoyed this conversation, please, especially this one, definitely share this with a friend, someone you know that could definitely use this information to guide them in making more strategic decisions for their career and of course i love when you guys share this on your instagram story so if you did love this please be sure to share this and tag both the podcast instagram at what fulfills you and jason where you can find him at hey pfeiffer that is all for today's episode thank you again for tuning in and i will chat with you all in the next one Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. 
products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.